Well, I've been hard at work over the last several months since our last encounter, God, and I, I have a passion to help people grow in their relationship with God. I have a teaching ministry, Corey Nichols Ministries. The live encounter God nights are the live events of the ministry, and we have a heart to help people get unstuck to fulfill their God-given destiny and purpose. So we've created resources. We have a slide. I think we'll have it up. We have YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We've got a podcast and a blog at CoreyNichols.com. We, have, we want to put resources in your hands to help you grow in your walk with God on a daily basis. We know that when we get the word of God inside of us, it begins to set us free and challenge mindsets that we have that might be contrary to God, as Albert was just sharing. And so we want to put resources in your hands to help you grow and mature and become everything that Christ died to give you and for you to become. Amen? So... I want to share a message tonight called, You Were Born for Greatness. You were born for greatness. Somewhere along the way, on this journey of humanity, sin entered the world and distorted and perverted what greatness really is. We have a world in which we live today that's infatuated with greatness, Everywhere you look on headlines, people are, are touting who's the greatest. We see it every day in sports. In fact, there's an acronym, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And there's all kinds of discussion about who is going to be the greatest or who is the greatest. We see it in basketball, in recent history with Michael Jordan and LeBron James. There's always a discussion, has LeBron passed Michael Jordan in being the greatest of all time? People make comparisons. <clears throat> they look at stats like scoring average, their shooting percentage, rebounds, assists, defense, efficiency rating, how good a player is, overall and how they have helped their team win. At the end of the day, it comes down to championships and their winning record. And has that person helped their team enough to become great? There's arguments every day. Tom Brady recently won his seventh Super Bowl championship. Seven out of 10 times he's gone to the Super Bowl, he's won. That's an incredible statistic. And people say he's now the greatest of all time NFL quarterbacks. We see it in business. People are enamored with those that have great success financially. Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett. We're amazed at how they can acquire so much wealth and we want to be in their presence. The world is looking to have the wealth that they have. And so they seek it at all costs, trying to pull each other down to get to the top. We see it in social media. Who has the most followers, the most likes, comments, and influence? We stand amazed at the people that have millions of followers. We stand amazed at what celebrities say. It's almost like we hold on to their every word as if that's greatness. We see it in leadership in politics. 
presidents of the United States, world leaders and prime ministers. We want to be associated with these types of people because they have tremendous influence and power. There's something that draws us to that. People want to be connected with people that can help them get somewhere. We see it in music and entertainment. Who has sold the most albums, has the most hits, the most movies watched? How many Emmys and Grammys they've won? Who's the greatest of all time when it comes to actors and actresses? We see it in education. Where did you go to school? I went to MIT. Well, I went to Harvard, Stanford, Yale. I have a master's degree, a doctorate, a PhD. All these prefixes in front, of, in front of people's names or after their name with lots of titles and accomplishments. We stand enamored by who they are and what they've done. As if that's greatness. We even see it in the church world. The church is consumed by it. Outreach Magazine puts out the top 100 largest and fastest growing churches in America. It's their most read magazine of the year, by far. We wanna see which church is now the largest and the fastest growing. We wanna be associated with people that are doing great things in the eyes of the world. How far they reach and their influence goes, how many books they've written, Speaking of pastors, how many books they've sold or are on the New York Times bestselling list? How many podcasts have been listened to, YouTube views? How many campuses does that, their church have, etc.? How many people go to their conferences or camp meetings or men's gatherings? The who's who of pastors are showing up in my circle of friends and in my networks. All of that is human nature, the flesh. And we're infatuated with it. And people hold people in such high esteem based off of worldly accomplishments. I want to say this before I go on to my next point. There's nothing wrong with success, numbers, how many books you've had, how big your church is. In and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. But when your heart is motivated by those things above something higher, the right heart towards God, there's something wrong with that. Greatness in God's sight looks vastly different than the way the world looks at it. And I have a massive heart and my prayer tonight is that you would see what God values above anything else and that you make that your highest aim in life because when you connect to what God says, when you connect with his heart for what he values and what he esteems, you'll live the most rewarding life you could ever dream of living and it will store up for you treasure that will last for eternity. And it's this. If you wanna be great in God's eyes, if you want to live for true greatness that will last forever and have true significance, you're going to lay your life down for others. You're going to become a servant of all. 
It's no longer going to be about you and what you've done and your great accomplishments. It's actually going to be the reverse, how you can lower yourself and help others succeed in life above yourself. Matthew 20, 25 through 28 says this, Jesus called them together and said, meaning his disciples, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. You shouldn't do what the world does. My followers should look vastly different. I have an eternal kingdom and I'm gonna teach you what is valuable in my sight. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He laid his life down for people and was giving us an amazing example to follow. We want to talk about the goat the greatest of all time. Let's talk about Jesus, who was the most incredible person who ever set foot on planet Earth. He had all power. There's nothing he couldn't do. And yet he did not take his authority and his power to lord it over others. He came to serve and lift the fallen. That's God's heart. The disciples, on the other hand, were focused on worldly perspectives. They were looking to find greatness according to what the world's standard of great was. And they began to argue. Luke 22 through 24 says this. Then they began to argue amongst themselves, speaking of the disciples, about who would be the greatest among them. You see, James and John's mother went to Jesus along with James and John. And they said, Jesus. Can my son sit at your right hand and the left hand in place of power, of influence and authority? And Jesus said, that's not for me to decide. That's for my father to decide. But I'm gonna teach you a better way. I'm gonna teach you what you should do that will equal greatness in my eyes. Well, the rest of the disciples heard about that and they got frustrated and they started arguing amongst themselves about who was gonna be the goat, the greatest of all time. And so Jesus said, no, 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 no. I want you to lay your life down for others. That's greatness. I wanna to talk to you a little bit about who Jesus was. The greatest person that has ever walked the earth, Jesus. God himself incarnated in flesh. He was all powerful, the creator of the universe. This is what it says in Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. 
He was all powerful God. There was nothing he couldn't do. And yet he came into our world in humility. He showed us that it wasn't about lording his authority over people. He gave up all his rights as God. In Philippians 2, 6 through 8, it says this, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Just think of that, God Almighty was born in human flesh. And this is the crazy thing about when he was born. He could have been born in a castle, in a palace, on gold streets. I mean, he could have been born in the most amazing atmosphere. But when Mary and Joseph went to this inn, it was filled with people and they couldn't even stay in a hotel room. There was a stable with animals and there was a feeding trough. Jesus was born and he was put into a feeding trough and he was, rags were wrapped around him. The king of the universe humbled himself into humanity and didn't make it a big deal. He was showing the way of humility. And when he rose, got older, and he began his public ministry, his own people rejected him. They spat on him. They said, you're crazy. His own creation rejected him. He spoke the truth and they thought he was demonic, full of lies, a, a liar. And then I think this is one of the most humbling things ever. He'd been arrested and was ready to, to go to the cross and die for mankind. And he was standing before Israel's high priest. And the high priest asked him, well, do you have anything to say? And he brought accusations against Jesus and Jesus said back to him, all these, all my followers and people were listening to me every day in the temple. Why don't you go ask what they say about me? And this is what happened in John 18, 22. Then one of the temple guards standing nearby slapped Jesus across the face. Slapped Jesus across the face. And said, is that the way to answer the high priest? He demanded. This guard had no clue who he was talking to. The high priest of high priests. The one who stands before God Almighty and intercedes on behalf of all mankind. He humbled himself and endured slapping, ridiculous treatment. And he didn't respond in anger. He could have snuffed them out in two seconds, but he humbled himself. I don't know about you, but I would have gone Jackie Chan on him probably. Rambo. Jason Bourne. I was like, I'll tell you, I'll show you. But that's not what Jesus did. He humbled himself even further and endured mistreatment and then went to the cross, a criminal's death. Only criminals were crucified. And he was put between two real criminals, 
And he took upon himself the weight and sin of the world because he was thinking of you and me. He loved us enough that he humbled himself and said, this is what I want you to do, to lay your life down for others as I have done. Philippians 2, 3 through 5 says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. If we want to be great in God's kingdom, we will learn to serve others and lay our lives down. No reputation. I shared at the beginning that for 14 years of my Christian life, I was completely miserable. How can you be miserable in a Christian? I felt the initial peace of God when I gave my life to Christ. It was amazing at six years old, but I was filled with self and I didn't even see it. And I was miserable. I was trying to get God to do everything I wanted him. I, I wanted him to bless my plan. I didn't realize he had a plan for me. I wanted him to do my plan and I wanted everybody else around me to bend their knee to me and do what I wanted them to do. And when they didn't, all hell broke loose. It was a lot of tension wherever I was because my life revolved around me. And in college, God got a hold of my life. There was a place, I went through a really difficult trial and it brought me to a place of absolute surrender. And through that experience, it was like the Holy Spirit, God became alive to me. The words in the Bible started becoming alive and jumping off the page at me. It was like, this amazing relationship with God. It was the most incredible thing. And one day, I was just doing my thing. And I was in my mind having this conversation with myself, an internal conversation with myself. I don't know if you guys do that, but I had an internal conversation with myself. And it was like God unveiled what was going on in my heart. And I can remember saying, me, myself, and I, about 10 times in the sentence. And God was like, Corey, your whole life revolves around you. That's why you're miserable. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was like an aha moment. And I was like, God, I don't wanna be this way anymore. Help me to be other centered. Help me crucify this flesh. Help me to, to live for you. And it was amazing. When I, my, that light bulb was turned on, my life began to change for the better. Around that time, I began praying and seeking God. And one day he gave me this vision. A vision is like a mental picture in your mind, but it's divine and spiritual. It's God giving you a message. And in this message, I saw on the movie screen of my mind, this massive banqueting table. It was like the... The, the feast of all feasts, it was a royal feast and the table went as far as the eye could see on this long rectangle table. And it was the most brilliant candles and all the most amazing food. And it was for King Jesus. And there were Christians all up and down both sides of the table. And I was somewhere sitting at the table. Jesus was at the head of the table. And in my vision, he gets up from his royal seat and he comes over to me and he says, Corey, 
you go take my seat and I'll take yours. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. That's for you, King Jesus. That's your seat. And he said this to me, he who wants to be great in my kingdom will be servant of all. You lay down your rights and your privileges and you serve other people and you make them feel honored, privileged and esteemed. And he said to me, Corey, you don't understand what this means today, but one day you will. I'm gonna take you through some things and you're gonna learn what it means to lay your life down for others and serve them. That will bring me great honor one day because true greatness is servanthood. True greatness is, is, is laying your life down for others. So how can we practically live out serving others in our daily lives? How can we do that? If you wanna be great in God's kingdom, there's a cost involved. And number one, it's this, prefer others above yourself. Prefer others above yourself. Around this time, God began to pinpoint areas where I preferred myself above others. I preferred myself above others. And when God began to tick at that scab in me, that little cancerous tumor in me, it was hurtful. But one day I had this broken relationship with my younger brother. You see, growing up, there was the older brother rite of passage when you sat in the car with one of my parents driving and as the oldest sibling, you gotta sit in the right passenger seat. You gotta sit in the right passenger seat. It was like for the older brother, the oldest brother, you gotta do that. It was a privilege that you got. And my oldest brother always demanded that privilege. I never got to ride in the front seat when he was in the car. It irritated me. Well, when it was my turn, when my older brother went off to college and that was my turn, my youngest brother, he would run ahead, get in the car and sit in the front seat. And then one of my parents who was driving said, let him have it, serve him. That frosted me. I would get so upset. It made my relationship with him get even, it was more intense. I despised him even more because he was taking my right as the older brother to have that seat in the car. I didn't want him to hang out with me and my friends. But when God showed me that vision and he began to teach me what it means to truly lay your life down for others, he brought to remembrance my younger brother and he said, Corey, you know why your relationship with his, his, him is damaged? I was like, why? Because he doesn't respect me. That's why. He doesn't respect me as his older brother. That's the whole reason. And God's like, no. The reason is because you have not served him and taught him how valuable he is. You see, when you lay your life down for him and you serve him, you will get respect. I was like, whoa. So I decided I was gonna drop the attitude and God was like, Corey, every time you get in a car with him and somebody else is driving, I want you to prefer him and give him that front seat. I want you, when, when, he, when you're home and you're having friends over or you're going out to do something, invite him wherever you go and make him feel absolutely special. Prefer him above yourself. And so I started doing that. And at first, my brother was like, who are you? Who are you and what'd you do with Corey? I know Corey. That's not Corey. And for six months, he just eyed me. I don't know what's going on, but there's something up. 
there's, some, there's a catch. You want something from me. And I said, no, I love you. I've been treating you wrong this whole time. And I love you enough. I want to lay my life down for you. I want you to know how valuable you are to me. And my relationship with him changed 180 degrees. And the very thing I tried to demand from him, he began to just give me respect and honor because I served him the way Jesus serves people. Who in your life right now that God is highlighting to you Instead of trying to demand them to change, why don't you serve them the way Jesus has served you? Ask him to give you revelation of what that means like I did. Corey, you don't know what this means today, but one day you will. When we serve others and, ref and prefer them above ourselves, it is amazing how re our relationships begin to change, whether it's a spouse, a sibling, coworkers. It doesn't matter who it is. Make people, when, when you're in their presence, they feel so special because that's what Jesus does for us. Number two, be a giver. Invest your time, talent, and resources in others. The Bible says, he who keeps his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for Christ's sake will find it. When we give up, trying to just hoard for ourselves, but we realize the gifts, the talents, the resources that have been entrusted to us, we're stewards of those. And we're part of God's eternal family and kingdom to push forward his kingdom and to help others understand that in Christ, in Christ, they're valuable. And you're, you are the hands and feet of Jesus that sometimes we're the only Jesus they'll ever see. So when you're using your resources to make a difference in their lives, it opens their hearts up to receive God. Matthew 25, 34 through 40 says this, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed my, uh, by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then, then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you something, give you clothing? When, you did, when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. God has opportunity all around us. There's opportunity to be used by him every single day. And it passes us by because our hearts many times are calloused. We're so consumed with ourselves we don't see the opportunity that's before us. And my heart tonight is that you would be sensitive to God and that he would awaken in you a servant heart, that you could see the way he sees, that he was inviting you into his kingdom purpose to make a difference in others' lives. There was this one time I was leading a small group. And I, this was when I was in college. And I had just had a really difficult day. Do you have those? Really difficult days. You're like, I don't want to talk to anybody. If people talk to me, the wrong thing's going to come out. 
So I had one of those days, and I went back to my apartment. I turned on some worship music. I got open my Bible, and I was like, oh my gosh, let me just soak in Jesus. And then I get a phone call. Have you ever just gotten a phone call? I got a phone call. And this phone call happened to be from a guy in my small group. And I was like, Lord Jesus, I do not want to talk to him right now. I don't need to minister anybody. I need ministered to. I need ministered to. And so in my mind, I was saying, God, get him off the phone. Just get him off the phone. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I am not in the mood to talk to him. And he's just pouring out his heart to me. But in my mind, I'm thinking, get him off the phone, God. Just get him off the phone, please, Lord. And in my mind, deep on the inside, I heard God speak to me. He said, Corey, this is spending time with me. When you are serving others, giving them a drink of water, when you're serving them by ministering to them in prison, you are spending time with God. He awakened my mind to new opportunities of what that means. Jesus was constantly interrupted on his journey and what he was doing. Just read throughout the Gospels. Some of his greatest miracles happened in interruptions. And God wants to use you during interruptions. Are you open to serve? Three, show all people dignity and respect. Show all people dignity and respect. Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria. He felt an unction from his father to go through Samaria because there was an assignment for him. He was going through a land that Jews do not associate with Samaritans. They're considered as less than. But the creator of the universe had a different plan. He wanted to show dignity and respect to a woman who had lost all dignity and respect in her village and in society. So he went to this well and this woman came up to him. Not when all the other women came because that was, she was so filled with shame and dishonored her community because she was living with a man that, wasn't, um, that, that she wasn't married to. But Jesus looked at her and said, you have it all wrong. You're looking to men to fulfill you, but what you're looking for is me, the Messiah. I can give you water that, that will quench that, that thirst inside of you, and out of you will flow living water. And he gave her back her dignity. He said, I don't hold this against you. I came to set you free so that you can experience real life in me. He lifted her up that was fallen and broken and what the world cast aside, he said, you're valuable to me. God wants us to be people that look through a different lens and see value in people that the world has cast aside. And when Jesus did that, she became a big loudmouth for Jesus. She became the first evangelist and told her whole community about what Jesus, the Messiah, had done. And they came out because of her testimony and the whole village got saved. I have a friend who went running and this was in Southern California and this trail was along this concrete path this concrete path and, uh, or like, it, it's this concrete like stream bed so that like water from the city can go out to the sea and they have paths right along it. And so she was a mile and a half into her journey, to her run. And she came up to this intersection and she noticed this 21 year old girl who was frantic. 
And this 21-year-old girl came up to her and she began to just cry and say, I just broke up with my boyfriend or he broke up with me and dropped me off on this street corner. And my father has just been put in prison for beating my mom and my brother and I'm going home to help our family through this difficult season that we're in. And my boyfriend just broke up to me, broke up with me and her, her glasses were broken. She was wearing broken glasses. And my friend had compassion on her and said, yes, you can use my phone. Do whatever you need, use my phone. And she said, do you need a ride anywhere? And she said, well, if you have the opportunity, yes, I actually do. She felt God's peace to do this. And she walked with that beautiful girl a mile and a half back to her car, drove her to a bookstore because she said, when I'm down and out, I like going to bookstores. It just calms my mind. So she took her to a bookstore, bought her a Bible, bought her some other books. And then she said, do you need groceries? She said, my family's really struggling. Yes, that would help our family immensely. And she went and bought her a couple hundred dollars worth of groceries. And then she called me up. My friend called me up and said, Corey, this is in kind of a rough area of Southern California. Would you go with me to drop off these groceries? And so I went with her and that transformed that family and gave them hope in one of the most hopeless situations they found themselves in. And I went away from that experiencing that is laying your life down for others. It cost her something. She had to walk a mile and a half back to her car, drive her around half the day, spent money. And I couldn't help but think of the Good Samaritan story where Jesus said, who was the neighbor? The Good Samaritan who helped the guy that was left for dead. He got involved, he got dirty, and he ministered to that man and paid for his hotel. It cost him something, but he became great in the eyes of God because he laid his life down for somebody else. Band, you can come up. What does your life consist of right now? Is your life more about yourself than the things of God? Is it more about how you can climb the corporate ladder than helping your friend succeed at the dream and destiny and purpose that's in his heart? See, God cares about the dreams he put in you, but he's looking to see if you're willing to help others reach their highest potential, the dreams in their heart. And when you lay your life down for others, and you begin to serve them and help them become all that they were created to be. God goes to work in your life and on your behalf to bring the right connections across your path to help you get to your purpose and your destiny. You see, the way the world looks at greatness is far different than what God sees as valuable, as what God sees as great. And when we connect with his heart, Miracles can happen, not only for others, but in our own lives. Today, I live the most rewarding life because my life is no longer on myself. But I, I pray this prayer, God, get me out of the way. May I become absolutely nothing so I can be an empty vessel that you can fill with your amazing presence and help a world in need of you. 
God is looking. The Bible says he searches to and fro throughout the entire earth that he might strongly support him whose heart is completely devoted to him. I believe God brought you here tonight because God sees greatness on the inside of you. But the way of getting there is not the way of the world. It's the way of Christ. The, the greatest person who's ever walked this earth laid his life down. I pray that God brings to mind people in your life that he wants you to lay your life down for. Surrender, help them become all they were created to be. And when you do, peace, joy, the confidence that God, your God is well pleased will flood your heart and your mind. We're gonna go into a time of worship. And this is between you and God, no one else. <laughs> no one else. God just wants you to come as you are, broken and all. He knows how to get you where you're at, ultimately to where he wants you. And the first step is, a, is it's just surrender. God, I'm here. I'm in a muck of my life. But today, right now, tonight, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I wanna serve you. I wanna go deeper with you. I wanna become what you've called me to be. And when you do, he'll meet you right where you're at. So we're gonna go through a time of worship. If you need prayer for anything,